So today we are starting a brand new series. Um, last week we finished up our series on relationships. And so we had a whole series talking about dating and uh, marriage and being single and all the things that have to do with love and relationships. And so, um, so thankfully today we can get back into something that's not uh, quite so nerve-wracking for me to talk about. So we can, we can talk about something a little bit better. Um, how many of you remember whenever you were a little kid or if you have a little kid... Uh, in, in church right now, and someone asks your kid, or if you ask your kid, what did you learn about in church today? Uh, what, what is it that a kid always says? Anybody know? Jesus, absolutely. Every single time you ask your kid, doesn't matter what they talked about, uh, they're always going to tell you they talked about Jesus because that's the only part they can remember. And you know what? At the end of the day, that's probably a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, so today, we're going to start a new series, and it's all about Jesus. As a matter of fact, for the next few weeks, that's all we want to talk about. Um, I think sometimes, uh, especially if you're like me, um, I, I can be a very topical person. I, I really enjoy uh, finding out, asking questions. What does the Bible say about this? You know, like I love to find out what the Bible says about certain things. And, and with that, we become very topical people. We, we want to learn um, about a topic. But, it, but really, the Bible is boiled down to Jesus. Like Jesus is the focus. And if we're not learning about him, what are we learning about? Right? I mean, it's great to know how to date, but if you don't know how to live for Jesus, every one of your boyfriends and girlfriends are going to be jacked up. Right? It's great to know how to be married, but if you're not living for Jesus, your marriage is going to be messed up. So we've got to understand that Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And so for the next few weeks, that's all we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Jesus. And our series is called More like Jesus. And if you see the, the picture here, uh, you can see that some hipster in the background, I didn't make this one up, um, some hipster in the background, and, and his picture is being ripped off, and it's, it's just Jesus in, in behind him. It's kind of like Scooby-Doo, who watched Scooby-Doo growing up, who was not allowed to watch Scooby-Doo growing up. Um, so yeah, Craig knows. Uh, so, so Scooby-Doo, every time, every time someone is the bad guy, what happens? They all have a mask on, and it's amazing how their mask can be so lifelike, right? And you rip the mask off, and there was someone else behind there. And, and the Bible says that we are Christians. The Bible says there was a point where we were called Christians, and the word Christian just means little Christ or like Christ. Our goal as Christians should be to be like Jesus. If some, someone just got murdered upstairs. Um, the, the, the goal is if someone were to be able to rip our mask off underneath our personality, underneath our um, exterior, it should be Jesus on the inside. It should always be Jesus on the inside. Um, the, the Bible says, uh, Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, right? Lives through me. Um, and, and so we need to understand that. So today uh, in this series, we're going to be talking about the different habits and customs and characteristics of Jesus. And then we want to talk about how we can apply those to our life. Because it's no good just to know Jesus if you're not learning from Jesus. Have you ever had that person in your life that, that you always watched and you wanted to be like that person? Um, when I was a kid, uh, I was very much that kind of kid. So if I watched Rocky, Rocky was one of my favorite movies, right? I loved all the Rocky movies when I was a little guy. And I would watch the Rocky movies and immediately I would go into the other room and I would get boxing gloves. Like I don't know why we had boxing gloves in the house. But I would get boxing gloves and shorts and I would come out and I would be Rocky. And I would watch the whole movie, right, with my boxing gloves on because that's, I wanted to be like Rocky. And then I watched Rambo 
Um, I, you already know my parents let me watch a lot of stuff I probably shouldn't have. And so a little kid watching Rambo, and Rambo's just like killing people. Like, like this morning, Colt sent me a text, and it, he has to get approval to download any games on his iPad. And he, he sends me this text, and he says, Dad, can I download this game? And I look at the game, and it was like 17-plus rating. And it was like um, some kind of shooter game. And I was like, no, man, it's 17-plus. I can't let you do that. Um, but he knows if he was at Honey and Darlin's house, they would absolutely let him download the game. And so, and so every time I'm watching Rambo as a kid, every time I'm, it's not a good thing. You're being proud for bad things. Um, I would go and I would get like a toy gun or in our house, probably a real gun, unload it. And then I would pretend like I was Rambo as I'm watching the movie. I wanted to be like that person. And the same is true when we read about Christ. We should want to be like him. We should want to be like him. We should be like that little kid. But what we do sometimes is we read about Christ and then we live the exact opposite of him. Because he's a good guy and we want to read about him and he makes us feel good when we read about him. But, but we don't want to actually live like him. But the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Paul says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. It's like a little kid imitating their parent. We imitate God because we're his dear children in everything that we do. That doesn't mean that I only imitate Christ at church. We're good at imitating Christ at church. Right? We're bad at imitating Christ out there. I didn't want to share this story, but I think I will just for the fun of it. Ah, I'm torn. I'm torn on the inside. Should I share a story or not? I'll see what this crowd says. What do you guys say? You are, y'all are my more reserved people over here. Yes or no? Yes? Okay, they're saying yes. Um, I'm not listening to any of you people. You are not reserved, and you will get me in trouble. Um, so, so my son, my son is driving his car yesterday, and he turns. He, I'm, I'm going to give you the very fast story. So he goes to turn down this street, and the problem was his buddy didn't tell him that was the street to turn down until it was too late. Right, It was one of those situations because Gabriel didn't know where he was going. And so his buddy was like, oh, there's my street. And so Gabriel goes to turn. When he does, he gets over into the, into the wrong lane just for a second, like not long. And, and whenever he does, there's a car coming. And so Gabriel hits his brakes, slows down, hits his brakes, and then gets over into the other lane to go around. Apparently, this um, startled the people in that car. And if you were the person in that car, I'm so sorry that I'm preaching about you this morning. And so, and so it started, and well, Gabriel kept going. Well, he drops off his buddies at their house. And when he does, his buddy um, says, Gabriel, they're coming. You better get out of here. So he slams the door, and Gabriel's like, what? And the car is following him. So now Gabriel takes off in his car, and whenever he does, he realizes he's going the wrong way. And so he has to stop his car and trying to do a three-point turn in the middle of the road at the same time being chased down by these people. And so then he starts going, and whenever he does, they pull their car in front of him and get out of the car and stop him. And now his heart's racing, right? Was this you? Anybody in here before I continue the story? And so, if you're watching on Facebook, <laughs> sucker. Um, and so, so, the guy gets out of his car and he comes up to Gabriel and he is using the foulest language and, and he's using the, the F word and, and Andrew, it wasn't, um, it wasn't feelings. He didn't talk about his feelings at all. Um, 
He's using the other F word, and he wasn't saying, I forgive you. It wasn't that F word either. And so, um, and so he's using this, and he's telling Gabriel that he's going to beat um, a certain body part that, um, that rhymes with mass. And so he's just telling all this stuff, and he's telling Gabriel what he's going to do to him. And, and his wife gets out, and she's taking pictures. And, and, um, and this guy's like, I'm 74 years old, and I'll still whoop your you know, behind. And, and he didn't say behind. And, and so Gabriel... Gabriel is just like, what do I do? And then finally, Gabriel just hit the gas and just left. And like, he went around the car and he just got out of there. He just got out of there. Now listen, listen, that 74-year-old man, I mean, at the end of the day, he was startled. He was scared. Um, He got very upset. Obviously, he's got a little bit of a temper issue, obviously. Um, And we don't know his backstory, so we're not going to get mad at him. But but here's the thing. Some of y'all are looking at me like I am mad already. Um... But, but here's, the, here's the thing, here's the thing I want you to consider for just a second. Is, is that 74-year-old man and his wife might be at church this morning somewhere? They might be sitting in church somewhere this morning. They may be sitting there in, during worship, and they're lifting their hands, and they're clapping, and when the preacher gets a, the word out, they're opening up their Bibles. The fact is, a lot of times we act like Jesus in here, and this part's easy. It's how we act out there that makes the biggest difference. It's how we act out there that makes the biggest difference. And, and so today we want to talk about some of the things that Christ did. And, and the first one we're going to talk about today, the only one we're going to talk about today, is found in Luke chapter 4. So to give you some context, Luke chapter 3, Jesus goes to get baptized, right? He goes to get baptized. His cousin, John the, Baptiz- uh, John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, right? That was his, that was his name. That wasn't his denomination. Um, he was not a Baptist. Um, he was probably Methodist, uh, no, I'm just kidding. He was, uh, he was just a dude and he was a Jew. And so he wasn't even anything, right? He was a Jew. And so he was baptizing people. Jesus shows up. John says, I feel uncomfortable baptizing you. Jesus says, do it anyway. And, um, I'm the Messiah. So he's like, okay, I'll definitely do it. So he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. The Bible says that in that moment, we see the whole Trinity, right? We see Jesus coming out of the water. We see, uh, we hear God's voice speak saying, this is my son. And we see the Holy Spirit descend. Send on Jesus. Very cool moment in the Gospels. But then in chapter 4, this is even cooler to me. So the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 1, it's a continuation of chapter 3. Um, when Luke wrote, he didn't write in chapters, just FYI. And so as he's writing, then it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So if you're underlining today, underline full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan River. In other words, he came out of the river where he'd just been baptized. He was led, underlined, led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So two things happen right off the bat. Jesus has this glorious moment, right? This incredible time. I'm getting baptized. The, the God is speaking. The Holy Spirit is descending. Everybody's looking at me. John is saying that I'm the Messiah. This is a really cool moment. And then the Bible says that he's full of the Holy Spirit, also very cool. And then it says he's led by the Spirit. This is what we all want into the wilderness. Not at all what anybody wants, right? He's literally led into the worst place you can go. And there's someone waiting on him there. And it ain't Jesus, because he's Jesus. It's not God. It's not the Spirit. It's the devil, Of all people, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus not into financial gain, not into a new job, not into a spouse or kids or retirement or all the things that we want. He leads him straight to the devil. So, so far, our story is not going well. 
So Jesus spends some time in the wilderness. He's fasting. He's praying. He's, he's being tempted by the devil. The Bible says he confronts the devil with God's word. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. My dad will actually preach that message. And um, he confronts the devil with God's word. He has victory over the enemy. And the Bible says that he comes back out of the wilderness. And this is where we pick up verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. So a couple of things I want to point out about Jesus that that it says there. It says he was full of the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit, and he was empowered by the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit, and he was empowered by the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit, I looked that up in the Greek, and here's what it means. It means to be abounding in, completely occupied with, to be full of wisdom, grace, and power. So think about this for a minute. Abounding in completely occupied with. When I was doing my study, that's the one that stood out to me. The fact that Jesus was completely occupied with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just that the Spirit was living in him and and now he's got a good conscience and he's Jiminy Cricket, you know, telling him what not to do and what to do. That's all great. But it was that Jesus is fully occupied with the Holy Spirit, with the will of God, with what God wants to do. To the point of even avoiding what he wants to do in order to do what God wants him to do. The other thing it says there is it says he was led by the Spirit. The, the closest thing we can get to being led by the Spirit as far as the, the definition and understanding of that, it would, be, um, it would be the same as to lead someone by the hand, someone to grab you by the hand and walk you somewhere, or think about whenever you're walking your dog. You know, Have you ever walked your dog before? Um, the other day I, I took my dogs out for a walk, and, um, and it was a disaster, absolute disaster. So... I've got these two dogs, and one of them is, um, they're both crazy. They've got two crazy dogs. And so I've got one of them on a leash, and Perry says, I'm going to let the other one go off leash. And, um, and there's some kind of law untrustful. You're not allowed to do that, but she's a rule breaker. She doesn't care. And so she lets the dog off leash, and when she does, the dog that I had on the leash decides he wants it. She wants to chase the one that's off leash. I didn't realize that the leash was wrapped around my foot. So guess who went for a ride? Oh, yeah. Straight on my back, right? And and so um, and so the the idea here is you got to lead. So whenever I take my dogs out for a walk, right? I've got a I've got a, a leash on them, or some people call them a lead, right? And the whole time I'm walking them. Now my dogs want to go lots of places, right? They want to go sniff on everything. They want to go get down in the creek. They want to go attack every dog, every squirrel they see. They want to chase. My dogs love squirrels. And so when we're walking, the whole time, you're constantly getting pulled, right? And I'm pulling them back and getting them in line. That's what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is constantly pulling us back and getting us back in line and walking us exactly where we need to be. That whenever we are led by the Spirit, that He is walking us somewhere, right? Taking us to a destination. And then the third one is being empowered by the Spirit. The word empowered by the Spirit, that word power there is the same word where we get the word dynamite. It's explosive, that there's something happening, right? It's not power like a battery that's just sitting on your shelf. A battery has power, and that's good, but a battery doesn't do anything if it's just sitting on a shelf, right? Until it's put into use, then the power can be seen. So, so it's important to understand the different dynamics here that we're talking about. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean? That means for us, we need to be led by the Spirit. So we'll talk about the three things. We need to be led by the Spirit. First of all, Galatians 5.25 says this. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part 
of our lives. Which part of our life should we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in? Wow, like three people really got that one. It's okay. I get it, man. Nobody wants to say that part, right? We, we have to have the Spirit's leading in every part. Every part. You know what that means? That means not just at church. He must be leading. Last week we talked about relationships. He must be leading me in my relationships. He must be leading me in my marriage. He must be leading me in my business and the way I conduct my business. He must be leading me at school. Oh, but pastor, what if the Holy Spirit does something weird to me? I don't know. I don't know. I can't help you with that. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But what I can tell you this is that the Bible says he must lead us in every single part of our lives. The Holy Spirit isn't interested in just leading you at church. That's the easiest place to lead you. That's like taking your dog to a dog park and letting him go and say, look how obedient my dog is. He can run around when I tell him to. Yeah, great. You know? It's taking your dog to the vet, right? That's the hard part. And so it's this understanding that the Holy Spirit has to be a part of every single aspect of my life. That's difficult to do, but we're going to talk about what that means. So here's a couple of truths of what it means to be led by the Spirit. Number one, He will lead you where you need to be, but not necessarily where you want to be. He led Jesus to the wilderness. There's going to be times the Holy Spirit is going to take you somewhere. He's going to lead you to do something. He's going to lead you um, someplace. And it's going to be exactly where he wants you to be or to do exactly what he wants you to do. But it may not be exactly what you want to do. We were talking about Craig being a missionary to to Auburn University. But what, what my dad didn't say was that Craig is an Alabama grad. Right? Like, like Craig's, don't say that word in church. Um, God doesn't honor it. Um, and so Craig, Craig's, a, Craig's a Bama grad, and, and, and Craig's a Bama fan. And, and you would think, well, obviously, God's going to lead him to Alabama. If he's going to do campus missions, that's where God would lead him. But God didn't lead him there. He led him to Auburn, right? So just, just you need to understand something today, and I need to understand something today, that God's leading, the Holy Spirit's leading, doesn't always lead us exactly where we want to be. Jesus followed the Holy Spirit straight to the cross. In his prayer before he goes to the cross, he says, if there's any other way to do this, right, I'm down. Like, I will change plans here, God. If there's any other way, if there's any way this cup can be taken from me, take it, but not my will your will be done. So sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to lead you places that you don't want to go, but it's exactly where he needs you to be. The second thing to understand in, in building off of that is that the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus, not make you happy. The Holy Spirit isn't here to make us happy. He's not here to make us famous. He's not here to give us goosebumps and make us feel good. That's not his job. If you feel good in the process, that's wonderful. That's bonus. But that's not his job is to make you happy. Now, his job is to fulfill. His job is to give you joy. But if you've been here long enough, you understand that at our church, we understand there's a difference between happy and joy, right? Happy is totally dependent on my circumstances around me. It's totally dependent on my circumstances. You may have a terrible day at your job, but you can still be full of joy. God may lead you somewhere you don't want to be, but you can still be fulfilled and full of joy. Why? I'm not happy about this, but I'm being fulfilled because I'm right in the middle of God's will for my life. 
And the Bible says that he's here to glorify Jesus. John uh, 16, 14 says, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. In other words, he will get you to do something. He will tell you something, but it's not for your glory. It's for his glory. I think as pastors, we have a problem with this. Pastors enjoy the idea of building their kingdom. And it's not about my kingdom. It's not about my book sales. It's not about how many people follow me on social media or listen to my sermons. It's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about glorifying him. And if it ever turns to being about me or if it ever turns to being about you, then we're doing it wrong. It's got to be about him. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. His job is always to glorify Jesus, not to make us happy. Number three, he will never contradict God's word. So if you ever have a question, is this the Holy Spirit leading me to do something? If it's contrary to God's word, then it's not the Holy Spirit. It's you. 100% it's you. No, it's the devil. No, it's you. It's you. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He doesn't say the devil. He says you and me. When the Holy Spirit's not leading us and guiding us, then we will tend to lean towards our own sinful nature. And the Holy Spirit will never lead us towards sin. He will always lead us towards righteousness. Always. Every single time. The fourth thing is this, that we need to know about the leading of the Holy Spirit, is he will always lead us to be like Jesus. He will always lead us to be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him, talking about Jesus, as we are changed into his glorious image. The Holy Spirit's job is not to leave you like you are. It's to make you more like him. Now, do I get to keep my personality? Absolutely. All you got to do is read the New Testament, read the Old Testament. You're going to see people in the New Testament, you're going to see people sold out for Jesus to the point that they were killed for their faith. But if you read the books, you're going to see personality come through in each and every one of the books, even if they're writing about the same thing. One of my favorite people to read is John. I love to read the book of John. I was talking to a friend the other day, and, um, and he may be watching online. Um, and he'll know who he is. And so I was talking to a friend the other day and he was saying, I started reading the Bible and I don't really understand what I was reading. And I was like, well, where did you start your Bible reading plan? He said, the book of Revelation. I said, well, I said, if you're going to start somewhere, that's not where to start, right? It's not where to start. I said, let's start in the book of John. And here's the cool thing. I'm just going to show you personality because sometimes I think we think if I let the Holy Spirit lead my life, and I'm going to be more like Jesus, then I'm going to lose who I am. Because the Bible says I'm not, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm a new creature. Yes, all that's true. But if you read the book of John, and then you also read, let's say, the book of Matthew, two guys that actually walked with Christ. Luke didn't. Luke was an outsider. He wrote based off the other guy's teachings or, or what they told him. But you read Matthew and John, two very different perspectives on Christ. But John cracks me up. Because John always talks about the disciple that Jesus loved. You know who he's talking about? Himself. What a jerk, right? Like, he's constantly talking about, and Jesus hung out with his favorite disciple. It was him. You know, and, and I'm sure all the other disciples are reading it like, that John, uh, if I wasn't led by the Spirit, I would 
stick this book in his mouth. And, um, and, and, then, and then John talks about, John talks about Peter and John running to see Jesus' tomb whenever Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And he makes a point to note that he got there first. He wanted everybody to know that he was faster than Peter. Right? Yeah, Peter walked on the water, but he can't run on the land. I got you on that one. You know what I'm saying? And so I love the fact that personality comes through. That just because you sell out everything that you've got to Christ doesn't mean that all of a sudden you become some kind of robot and you can't have personality. No, no, no. We still have personality. It's just our personality is filtered through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. The next thing we need to talk about is not only do we have to be led by the Spirit, but then on a practical sense, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? How do I know it's the Holy Spirit? How do I hear the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How do I know if it's me thinking it or the Spirit speaking to me? Right? We ask that question a lot. And so here's a couple of things I just want to throw out to you. This doesn't um, this isn't getting in any points, but I, I need you to know something, that the Holy Spirit speaks and manifests and moves in different ways. There's no one way I can put my finger on, right? So if you're expecting something because, because your uh, friend said this is how they know the Holy Spirit was speaking to them, and you're expecting that, can I just tell you, he can do whatever he wants because he's God. In the Old Testament... Um, in, in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a uh, well, let's talk about the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved on the disciples in the upper room. And the Bible says that there was uh, a mighty rushing wind. And they could see visible flames in the room over the people's heads. Now, this is pretty spectacular stuff. Mighty rushing wind in an enclosed room. That's pretty neat, right? And it's loud and it's, and, and it's boisterous. But then in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Elijah went up on the mountain to talk to God and that God uh, let a, a mighty wind go by, that God let fire go by, all the things that they saw in the upper room. God let an earthquake happen, but the Bible says that God was not in any of those things. Instead, he was in a gentle whisper in Elijah's ear. So I just want you to know today, I'm going to give you some different ways to, to hear uh, the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, but I just want you to know that there's no one way that's the right way. That God can talk to you however he wants to talk to you. And for some of you, even between spouses, God may talk to your spouse different than he talks to you. And that's okay. So we got to find, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? How do I recognize the Holy Spirit? The first way I think the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through peace. Is through peace. And the Bible talks about God's peace is different than our peace, right? That we can go to, uh, you know... People go to yoga and they go to meditation and they go to uh, whatever. They, they um, try to take naps. I don't know. They, they do all these different things. That's how my wife tries to get peace is take a nap. Um, she can just close the door, turn off the lights. She's at peace. Um, and, and, so, and so we go to these different places to try to find peace. But the Bible says that, that God has this special peace that he gives us that surpasses all understanding. In other words, he can give you a peace even in the middle of a storm and you can't understand where that peace even came from. You can't understand where that peace came from. Even as I'm saying this, um, I, I feel like, uh, and I, I don't always do this, but like I've got two of my firemen back in the back, and I know we've got police officers here today. You guys see stuff that nobody else sees. You deal with stuff nobody else deals with. We've got nurses in the room. Uh, Paige is one of our nurses, works with little bitty babies. You guys see stuff nobody else sees, and you deal in situations that nobody else has to deal with. 
in the middle of that storm, right, you can still have peace. And let me tell you something. It ain't because you did yoga. That hot works, right? That's not, that's not how you got to peace. It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, well, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He can give you, give you peace. When that has to do with the Holy Spirit speaking to us, so John chapter 14, uh, verses 26 and 27, Jesus speaking. But when the Father sends the advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, that is my rep- as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. There's going to be times when the Holy Spirit is going to lead you, and the only way you know it's the Holy Spirit is because you have peace. You have peace about it. And you're going you're gonna to sit there, and you're going to say, I, I got this job offer, and it's less money. It's in a worse town, and, and, and I'm at a lower position. Why would I take this job offer? I don't know, but I got this peace about taking this job offer, and I can't explain it to you. I don't understand. I've told you stories before about my wife and I, whenever, whenever Perry and I have been through hard situations before. There were times we were going through a storm, we were going through a hard situation, maybe about our future, maybe about our finances, and, and we would say, I don't, I don't understand it, but I've got peace about it. I've got peace about it. It's this understanding that the Holy Spirit can give us peace, and in that peace, He can lead you and guide you by giving you peace. The second one is, is through your memory. I know that sounds funny, I get it. But I'll back up into John 14, 26. Again, I just read this. I'll read it one more time. But when the Father sends an advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. Listen, there are going to be times in your life you're going to say, I wonder, I need to know an answer here. I need something. And all of a sudden you're going to have this memory pop up in your head. It's going to be a scripture you read in your Bible reading. It's going to be something that was said in a sermon um, that you heard at church or that you heard online. And all of a sudden, this memory is going to pop up. Yeah, Gabriel, that's just a coincidence. That's just how the brain works. Sure, if you want to explain it away, by all means do it. But I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit will bring Scripture. He'll bring God's Word. He'll bring it right back to your memory at the moment you need it. Some of us have been in situations before where we didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, God's Word just came right back to us. I've had people tell me before that they were, they were going through something. And I'm not saying this to promote what, what I've done in the past. But, but they said they were going through something. And they said, all I could think about is I could just hear your voice in the sermon you preached the Sunday before. Over and over and over. This one point, you just in my brain, I just kept hearing it over and over. And it changed the way I acted in that situation. That wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit reminding people. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to bring stuff to your memory. The third way that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today is through conviction. Through conviction. Now, I know conviction sounds like a bad word. Um, and if you're in court, it is, right? Right? If you're, if you're in court, you don't want to hear convicted. That's not the part you want to hear. But in, in Christ, we want to hear conviction. We desire conviction. We crave conviction. Why? Because in John 16, 8, it says that, talking about the Holy Spirit again, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The word convict just means to convince. That's all it means is convince. When you think about it like that, it's a little less harsh, but we want the Holy Spirit to convince us that what we're doing is wrong, right? 
Don't you want that? I want that. I don't want to be doing something wrong. If you've been married for like five minutes and you're a man, you know there are times that you do stuff wrong and you don't know it. Amen? No man wants to raise his hand, but you know it's true. There it is. Craig's wife's not here, so he's raising his hand. There are times you can walk into the house as a man or walk through the house as a man and and your wife gives you this look. And you're thinking in the back of your head, I know I did something wrong, but I don't know what it was. And you're just trying to roll a exit. You know, like you're going back through memories of all the things you could have possibly done wrong. I want to know when I've done something wrong. And the Holy Spirit says, I will convict you of sin. I'll convict the world of sin, but I'll convict the church of sin. I can convict you. I can show you that what you're doing is wrong. We need that. We need that. But he'll also convict us of something to do that's right. He will convince us of righteousness. Listen, not only do I want the Holy Spirit to show me what I'm doing is wrong, I want him to show me how to do it the right way. Right? I want him to show me how to do it the right way. One of the things I do not want, the other day we, um, uh, the, the starter went out on one of my vehicles, and so uh, I called my dad over to help me uh, replace it. He's got some tools that I don't have, and so, so we, get, we get down there and we're, we're fixing it. And, and I could have very easily, or my dad could have very easily just sat there whenever I was trying to put something back on and not told me anything and just said, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And that would have been very frustrating for me, right? It would have been very frustrating because, because then I, I, don't, I know it's wrong, but I don't know what to do to correct it. And the Holy Spirit not only wants to show you what, what is wrong, but he also wants to show you exactly how to do what is right. He will lead you and guide you into righteousness. The fourth way that the Holy Spirit, and, and listen, on that conviction, you'll know it in your heart. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're lying. If you tell me you, you've never been convicted, you're lying. And you should feel convicted right now that I said that. Right? Because the Holy Spirit should convict you. There are times when you should know what I'm doing is wrong. And I need to stop it. That guy in the car. He should have been convicted. He was. He did it anyway. You can push past conviction, and that leads to sin and death. Um, verse, I mean, four, point number four is he will lead you. He will lead you with closed doors. So he, he can lead you with peace. I've got peace about this situation, but he can also lead you with closed doors. One of the things I pray all the time is, God, shut the door if I'm not supposed to walk through it. Slam it in my face. Lock it. Put a padlock on it. Do not let me walk through a door I'm not supposed to walk through. Right, and, and I've got proof for this in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are traveling the world, preaching the gospel, establishing churches, doing great things for God. And here's what it says in 16.6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of uh, Fergia and uh, Fergia, um, Fergie, um, and Galatia because the Holy Spirit, listen to this, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So they're trying to go preach, but every time it's really Asia Minor, not Asia like China. It's like Turkey. Every time they try to go into Turkey, the Holy Spirit stops them. And for whatever reason, they can't go that far. It says, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they head north for the province of Bithynia. And again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go there. Think of Gandalf in the, in the Lord of the Rings. You shall not pass. You know that? And the Holy Spirit's like, no, man, we're not going this direction. I'm stopping you. So instead, they went through Mysia to the, uh, 
to the seaport, my stuff cut off, of Troas. So here's the thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do is he wants to close doors, right? If you're not listening to his peace, then sometimes he has to close doors to get you to go where he needs you to go. Uh, yesterday, um, one of my crazy dogs knows how to open the door from the outside. So if you put her outside and you don't close the door all the way, she knows to jump and hit right at the door handle and she can pop our door open and come right in. She'd be a great thief. And so the other day, yesterday, I was, um, I was in the bedroom uh, making up the bed. My son was uh, asleep in his bed. And all of a sudden, I hear the door open. Boom. I'm like, ah, well, Nola's in the house. And that's fine. I didn't care. And it was cool outside, so I didn't mind. And then all of a sudden, I heard, and I was like, I don't think we have a squeaky toy. And I walk out, and there's a bird flying around our living room. Just pooping on the floor. I mean, like, I'm in your house, and I'm going to let you know it, you know. And he's hitting every mirror and window, and, and finally he gets up to this highest point window that we can't even get to hardly. And, um, and I, I tell Gabriel, I said, you got to get up. you got to help me. we got to get this bird out of the house. And, and so we open up the door, and we open up the door so the bird would go out the door, right? And, and Gabriel, very smart kid, he goes, hey, Dad, we need to close all the doors everywhere else, you know. And the idea was, I'm going to close every door that I don't want the bird to go into. And I'll open every door that I want the bird to go out of. The Holy Spirit is the same way. Unfortunately for some of us, you have to treat the bird like, uh, he has to treat you like I treated the bird. And you just have to just grab it and then throw it out the door, right? (laughs) And hopefully the Holy Spirit's not doing that with you, right? It's very uncomfortable when he does that to you. So we open the doors, we're trying to get the Holy Spirit out. I mean, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're trying to get the bird out. <laughs> Holy Spirit, get out of this house. So sometimes he's going to close doors. And, and what we do sometimes is we get very disappointed. And we get very upset. And you're saying, God, you promised. And God, you said. And God, I've been praying for this for so long. And now you close the door. It's easy whenever we're talking about a job. But what if we're talking about a relationship? What, what if we're talking about having a kid? What if we're talking about something that's life-changing? You know what? God can still close doors. And we've got to be okay with the fact that he's closing those doors for a reason. Because there's something behind that door he doesn't want us to walk through. Or maybe that's someone else's door to walk through, not yours. The fifth way the Holy Spirit can speak to you, and I'm almost done, is through the supernatural. Now, a lot of times in church, now, you know, there was a time in church when everything was supernatural. Nowadays, it's like we want to hide from anything supernatural. Let's talk about a God that created the universe and then give him zero power whatsoever. That makes total sense. God wants to use the supernatural. If God's not supernatural, then what is he? He's nothing. He's not God. He's no better than me or you. So we got to talk about the supernatural. God can use the supernatural. What do you mean by the supernatural? Uh, I don't know whatever you want it to mean, but I believe God can use other people to speak things into your life that, that they didn't know to speak into your life. I believe God can use uh, dreams to speak into your life. I believe he can use messages to speak into your life. In, in Acts chapter 6, a continuation, so God, the Holy Spirit closes every door, right? He closes every door for Paul and Silas, but then the Bible says in verse 9, if you just keep on reading, in verse 9 it says, that night Paul had a vision. 
a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. This is so logical and so cool. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Yeah, no joke. They're trying to go places. Nope, door shut, door shut, door shut. Paul has a dream of a man saying, please come to Macedonia. And they said, may as well. You know, that must be God. Right, let's do that. And so they do it. Listen, I believe God wants to speak to you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to open and close doors for you. He wants to convict you of things. There are things he wants to do. But he also wants to use the supernatural. Not every dream is from God, though. Just FYI. I have lots of dreams. Very few, if ever, are any of them from God. But I'm going to tell you something. I know when they are. There are days I wake up and my heart is pounding. And I'm not scared. I'm not worried. But I know that dream I just had was from God. And I think I've probably had three. Three in the whole time I've been preaching. I think I've had three dreams that I know that was God telling me something specific. So just know it. God can do that. I was, um, I was watching. I wish I had the video, but it was a live video, so I don't, I don't have the video. But it was an interview with this pastor and um, this minister, and he does a lot in the country of Iran, and there's an underground church there. And, and in Iran, if you're a Christian, they'll kill you. Like, that's, that's just is what it is. Like, they'll just kill you. And so, um, so this, guy was, this guy was telling this, this story, and, um, and he was talking about this girl that was going to kill herself. She was Muslim, and she, uh, in, in Islam, the, the idea of a loving, caring God is not there. And so, um, so she just felt like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to kill myself. And so that night, uh, before she killed herself, the TV was on, and it was late at night. And you know how late at night you get, like, the TV preachers come on every channel. And this TV preacher came on and uh, literally started saying things like, you're sitting in your room right now, and you're thinking about killing yourself. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and Jesus cares about you, and Jesus has a plan for your life. And immediately the girl began to break down in tears. She called the number, and long story short, she ends up giving her heart to Jesus Christ. That was not a coincidence. That was supernatural. They told another story. Um, and there's a movie. There's a movie. Uh, it's called, I think it's called Sheep. Uh, Sheep Among Wolves, and it's a movie about the underground church in Iran, but um, it's a documentary, but they tell another story of a man that was uh, way out on the outskirts of town, and uh, they, the, the Christian leaders went out to visit him. Someone told him, hey, you got to go visit this guy. He's got an incredible story to tell you, and so they go out to visit this guy, and as they're talking to this, this guy who, for all intents and purposes, was Muslim, he was um, n- not a Christian to start off with, just living out um, on his farm, and when they go out to visit the guy, they began to talk to him, and he knew the gospel. And they, they said, what, uh, how do you know all this stuff? And he says, every night in my sleep, a man comes and visits me, and he's wearing all white, and he tells me stuff, and he tells me to write it down in my journal. I know you guys think this is weird, but it's so cool. And so the guy says, so every night I write down everything the man tells me. And the preacher says, can I see your journal? And he says, absolutely. So he gives him the journal, and he opens it up, and it was the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This guy had no access to a Bible, but somebody was showing up in the middle of the night, supernaturally, speaking to him. 
telling him God's word, and he wrote it all down. Can I just tell you, don't discount the supernatural in your life. The Holy Spirit wouldn't be holy if he wasn't supernatural. And he wants to do something amazing in your life. Let's end with this. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 2, 36 through 39. So this is Peter. Peter's first sermon. Great first sermon, man. He preaches, 3,000 people get saved. Amazing first sermon. So Peter says this. He says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus. Um, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. Thank God, that's us. And all who have been called by the Lord our God. A couple of things I want to point out. Number one, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Was it really Peter's words piercing their hearts? No, it was the Holy Spirit using Peter's words. It was the Holy Spirit piercing their hearts. The other thing I want you to, point, to look at real quick, Peter gives us four aspects of being born again. He says, number one, you gotta know for certain. It means you gotta believe, right? That Jesus is not only your Lord, but your Messiah. In other words, he's your Lord. He's in charge. You have to submit to him. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. And he's your Messiah. He forgives you of all your sins. But then Peter adds to it. He says, not only you have to believe, you also have to repent, right? Repent means I know what I'm doing is wrong. The Holy Spirit has convicted me. The Holy Spirit has showed me that going this direction is wrong. It's sin. So I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to confess that. And I'm going to turn. I'm going to go the other way. He convinces me to do something right. See, the Holy Spirit is at work here. He's at work here in our salvation. So he talks about believing and repenting. And then he talks about being water baptized. He says, you should get water baptized. Now, usually in church, that's where we stop. But then Peter goes on to say, and then, and then, after you do that, then you can receive the Holy Spirit. And what we've taught in church so often is that the moment I say, I believe... Then all of a sudden, poof, I'm filled. That's what we teach people in church. Or we teach people just the opposite of that. We teach people you got to beg, crawl, spit, yell until finally the Holy Spirit has mercy on you and comes into your life. Neither one is true. But the Bible does say this. The Bible says you can receive. And the word receive there means to take hold of something, actively pursuing and taking hold of something not hard it's a gift if i were to present a gift to you today and i were to lay it out for you right here but you never took hold of it is it your gift absolutely is it your gift have you received it no you have not because you got to take it you got to take it part of taking is believing it's receiving it's submitting all those things that peter lays out for you that's how we receive the holy spirit And then finally, not only do we receive him, but we obey him. We obey him. A GPS doesn't do anything for a parked car. Think about it. When I sit in my car in the driveway and I turn on my GPS, you know what my GPS does? It starts spinning around. It's trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. Because the GPS only knows go. Right? 
GPS only knows, let's, let's go somewhere, let's do something. The Holy Spirit knows go. The Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm in you, I'm on you, I'm filling you, I'm giving you power, I'm giving you peace, I'm giving you guidance, I'm giving you direction for a purpose, to do something. Let's finish up with what Jesus said and then we'll, we'll be done for the day. Luke chapter 4, back to Luke chapter 4. So he already did what? He already went to the wilderness, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, came out of the wilderness, full of power, right? And then the next thing he does is he strolls up into church, walks up on the platform, grabs the Bible out of the preacher's hand. Probably not exactly like I'm saying it, but for our purposes. And it says this. He opens up the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. In verse 17, it says, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolls the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim uh, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The Holy Spirit is on you to do something. What is he on you to do? What does he want to do in you and through you? What is he speaking to your heart today? What's the mission field he's calling you to today? Listen, that mission field may not be Africa. That mission field might be Auburn, Alabama. That mission field might be your family members that aren't serving God. That mission field might be your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband and your wife or your kids. The mission field might be the gym. It might be the gas station. The mission field might be Walmart. I don't know what your mission field is, but God's got something for you. Jesus has a plan for you. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do something great for him. For him, not for you, for him. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts. I believe he wants to use us. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about some different ways the Holy Spirit wants to use us. One of those ways, we're going to talk about prayer. I can't wait to get to that one. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit wants to use us to pray. Pray in private and pray in public. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to do some stuff. He wants to use you to speak to people. The Bible says that there are gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are tools. They could have called them tools. I would have liked that word better. They're tools to be used. That you speak to somebody. You say something to somebody. You, you give them a word of encouragement. You give them a word of conviction. You give them a word of, uh, of love and hope, and their life is transformed in a moment. Why don't you stand up with me today? Whoa. Almost. Let's close our eyes for a minute. Nothing special about closing your eyes. I just don't want you looking around, talking to your buddies, worrying about what time it is. You got plenty of time. Here's what I want you to begin to do. Just right now, in your own private way, I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit what He's trying to say to you. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking in my heart? Are you giving me peace about something? Are you closing a door? convicting me about something that I shouldn't be doing or you convicting me about something that I should be doing what are you doing in my life right now Holy Spirit maybe for some of you there's a situation going on and, and you just need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you can I tell you something we're all in that boat I 
I have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me every day, every day, because I don't want to do it by myself. So Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, whether it's a gentle whisper, God, or it's a convicting uh, word in our hearts, God, I pray right now that we would experience you in a real way. God, we're, we're, we're in need today of the Holy Spirit because Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need you to move in our lives. We need you to fill us. We need you to empower us. We need you to change us. We need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. We need you to remind us of things. We need you, Holy Spirit. Right now, we need you. There may be some of you in the room right now that you're not serving Jesus today. Your life is not what you would call the life of a submitted Christian. You, you, you may be a Christian in name because you grew up in church. You may be a Christian because you go to church, but you're not a Christian in the fact that you are just like Christ, that you're serving Him, that you're giving Him everything you've got. You're not being led by the Spirit. Instead, you're following your own desires. If that's you this morning and you want to make a change, you say, I'm tired of this life. I want to live for Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you want to do that today, I just want you to put your hand up. Just put your hand up. You can put it back down. I just want to see. I want to see. I'm looking around. Yep. Awesome. Let's do this. As we pray today, we're going to just ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. But we're going to pray just like Peter did with these guys at the, in the book of Acts. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to just pray along with me. You don't have to repeat after me. You can pray your own prayer. We're all adults in here. So God, we we just come to you right now, Lord Jesus. And we believe that not only are you our Savior, but you're our Lord. Not only do you forgive me of my sins, but that you're our Lord. I submit myself to you today. I'm tired of living my own way. I'm tired uh, of following my own desires. I'm tired of following my feelings. I'm tired uh, of of, of trying to please everybody else. And today I want you to be my Lord. I want to live for you. I believe that you are the Lord and Savior. You forgive me of my sins. You died on the cross so that I could be saved. Today, I want to submit my life to you, and I may not be perfect, and I may struggle, but I want to submit my life to you, and I I may be like that dog on a leash that keeps chasing after squirrels, but today, I give you permission to hold the leash, and I just want you to constantly be pulling me back, get me back on the track that I'm supposed to be on. Help me to walk with your spirit today. Today, I confess I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong, and, and God, today, I just tell you you to know that I know. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to hold back. I want to repent. I want to change. I don't want to be the same. And God, I just ask today that you fill me with your spirit. I don't want to just be a, 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 a vase that's been cleaned out. I want to be a vase that's been cleaned out and filled up. So I just ask you today to fill me up with your spirit, just like you did, Jesus. I want to be consumed with your spirit. I want to be guided and directed by your spirit. I want to be empowered by your spirit. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your voice. I want to be led by you in every situation, not just at church, but at home. I need you at home to be a better husband or be a better wife or be a better child or be a better parent. I need you at work to be a better employee, to be a better coworker, to be a better boss. I need your spirit to lead me and guide me in every facet of my life today. And so I yield to you, I submit to you today. In Jesus' name.